You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along as we are just two weeks until the NFL Draft. We will dive into draft coverage by discussing some players the Colts are visiting with this week. We'll talk about the local pro day that the Colts hold uh, that was held in Indianapolis on Monday. And specifically this week, we're going to get into some wide receiver prospects that the Colts could be targeting with their picks they have, at least right now, in rounds two and round three of the draft. But first, we start with the news around the league and specifically focusing on the Colts here in Indianapolis. Some free agent either signings or agreed to terms of contract. The Colts will be bringing in safety Rodney McLeod from Philadelphia last year. 31-year-old, 10-year NFL veteran. He started 123 games. Mike, this is a guy that that brings with him plenty of clout as a starter in the league. Um, and the Colts at secondary, specifically a safety, certainly need depth, number one, because of some guys who walked, including Joe, George Odom, but also need someone as an insurance policy in case Julian Blackman can't play week one. So you get a guy who's been a starter in the league for a long time. If you're not going to go out and sign someone like Tyron Matthew, this is about as good as it can get, someone that experienced at safety in the NFL. Yeah, it's sort of like, now it's earlier, but remember when they signed Mike Adams uh, mid-June several years ago, and he turned out to be a pretty doggone good player, a couple of Pro Bowls. You had to do something. You know, we all point to, well, you got Kahari Willis and you've got Julian Blackman. Well, Blackman had, he's coming up with an Achilles. And this team has had experience with players coming off Achilles. Some good, some bad with that. Mostly right, bad. Mostly bad. So because you just don't know. And, and as Joe's mentioned before, this is the second major injury for Blackman in a short period of time. So uh, I think it's, it's a good. It, it's not the splash that people want, but I, one of these days we're going to convince people that the splash they want, they've got to go elsewhere because Ballard won't give them splash in the free agent market. And Joe, yeah, I, I mentioned Tyron Matthew already. I, I'm sorry to Colts fans out there who are hoping that that was maybe we talked about it a few weeks ago, a big name that maybe would, that the Colts were alluding to that Jim Mersey was perhaps alluding to in, in a statement that he had made uh, to add to the defensive side of the ball. But with the sign of McLeod, it seems more likely than not that that's not going to happen, that he was the guy that they kind of settled on to bring in at the back end in the secondary. Yeah, it looks like that ship has sailed. I mean, it would have been really really flashy, really nice to go into the season with Matthew. But I think McLeod is a, a quality. He just kind of makes more sense as a guy who can start when you need him to, but be that third safety uh, whenever Blackman is healthy. So I, I like the signing a lot. It's always nice having three reliable safeties back there. What, what, I think, Chap, if you if you bring in Matthew, you bring him in as a starter, right? Like Because you'd have to pay him the money right now to be a starter. So it like Joe said, it really didn't make too much sense for the Colts, I don't think, with both Kari Willis and Julian Blackman as their guys that they want back there for the and for now and more in the nickel. Future. It's not like yeah. Matthew could have just went down to the nickel no. position. So, so yeah, he, he, they would have had to be, get really creative to get him on the field. And maybe that's something Gus Bradley could do, but nevertheless, it just it, this seems like the way that they're going. The one thing that people, all of us, need to understand is go back and look at the 2000 Colts with Pullian. And it got to be, for good or bad, more, more good because of the way they won, such a top-heavy roster financially. You had the highest-paid quarterback, receiver, left tackle, on and on and on. And when, when you have 
six or seven of your of your core players making big bucks, you you can't you know they they let Glowinski and Chris Reed go because you've got Danny Pinner because on the offensive line, some position has to give financially, and while right, right now it's left tackle as well, but you, it just doesn't make sense financially to to plan and and these guys do plan a year or two ahead. To, to have these to, to bring in Matthew, which would have been a one year deal for whatever I don't know what he's asking ten fifteen I don't know what he's asking somebody's going to pay it because some, somebody because somebody or someone's going to get hurt in the off season and then right. somebody's going to pay it right, right then right now if it goes that long he may have to take a, a lesser deal because then cap space and all that and the way you get you, you get things to work evaporates but when you've got so many guys on this roster making big bucks and you've got younger players. Will be coming up for contracts soon. The Okarikis and the Willises and people like that. Then you can you just you have to watch what you do. And I know it drives everyone crazy. But and again, we, we come to Quentin Nelson. He's going to get you know buku bucks. So buku you just have, you, it, it, when you do it that way, you pay you pay somewhere else. You don't pay somewhere. You pay for it by not paying somewhere else. And that's kind of where they are. Uh, last year, McLeod had a pro football focus uh, mentioned that he had a 62.7 passer rating allowed in coverage last season, which was the sixth lowest among all safeties. So that's really good for a guy that's maybe going to be not used all the time. That's great. I mean, that's that's a starter number, obviously. So uh, the Colts should probably feel pretty good about uh, about having him there in case uh, something goes wrong with uh, the rehab for Blackman or if one of them gets injured, either him or Willis next year, which happened obviously quite a bit last year. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's where the Colts are going. Uh, the interesting safety. seat contract details. If For it's sure. a multiple year deal, how much money is getting paid? Without seeing it, it's going to be one year. That's probably. my guess. Yeah, Two yeah. million, three million mm-hmm. max. I mean yeah. that because that that's where they are, and that's that's what he does. Uh, meaning Chris Ballard, and I'm going to post something today or tomorrow about this roster. Joe and I talked about it last week. You know, to revisit it quickly, I, I, I contend that this team is better now than it was in December, and the roster's worse because they bring in a quarterback, which you you would argue with. I would, I would, yes, I would. And and they brought in the pass rusher, but there are can't so, argue with that. There is so many depth concerns at so many positions that I I, I have concerns sitting here at this time to where this roster is. I am very, and we can get into this at a later date. I know I don't, I don't want to touch it too much, but uh, sometime in the off season, like I really am interested to see how much Yannick Ngakwe impacts the rest of the team, because he is a pass rusher that like that they didn't have last year. And Justin Houston, maybe a couple years ago was, was close to that level, but I still think Ngakwe as a younger guy was probably have a little bit more uh, oomph there a little bit more impact. So, like I said, I think that's something we can get into more later. He'll be the first really, outside of Justin Houston, the the first legitimate edge pass rusher since Mathis when he was, you know, the 19 and a half sacks and all that. Because it's easy to forget Justin Houston. He was pretty good the the first year. And Mm -hmm. then he he was hot and cold the second year. Yeah, when he was hot, he was hot. Oh, he'd get you two or three. Yeah. And two or three in in two games or whatever. So Then he'd disappear for two games. This is the one thing... That they that they've missed that mm-hmm, they've lacked, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it does take some of the pressure off of Quiddy Pay and what well, he he'll move to the other side now and 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 Nagakwe will be what they call the Leo, but if he can be what they they believe he is, 
and you've got DeForest Buckner inside, who's been your he's been your sack guy the last two years, and that's great for him. It's not great when your defensive tackle is your leading sack guy. Right. Last thing I'll say on Yannick, last year of his contract, so when you're etching out that money and looking into uh, who you're going to pay and who you're going to not pay, I'd There's imagine Chris to Ballard's going to prioritize that defensive end, so he's going to demand at least $15 million a year uh, next offseason. Oh, Colt's also going to bring in Brandon King, a special teams maven from New England the past couple years, spent five years in the NFL, 73 games, no starts, so that points to what he uh, what he does on the field. Two defensive snaps. That's it. Two. Just two. The rest of 1,390 on special teams. That's what he does. Uh, so he missed uh, two years ago with a torn quad, uh, but he's uh, it's the fourth time last year he reached double-digit special teams tackles in his career. Uh, Joe, any any interesting thoughts on this? This is just a, a guy you bring in to, to add to the special teams side of the ball. with I Probably with George Odom leaving, Bubba, Matthew, Bubba says, and, hey, I need Matthew someone. Adams. Right, and Matthew Adams leading, leaving as well, which was the next point that he's going to the Bears. So this is a, uh, this is a, a move to shore up the special teams, no doubt. Yeah, and... Chris Ballard values special teams. I mean, he talked about taking Jordan Glasgow in the draft specifically with special teams in mind. I'm still not sure I've seen Glasgow line up uh, for a defensive snap yet. So, so. Um, Chris Ballard will go out and bring in players who their sole purpose is to win on special teams. Defensive tackle Robert Windsor has announced his retirement from the NFL, a 2020 sixth round pick of the Colts. Um, he's had injuries the past couple of years, major surgeries on his hip, on his groin. He only played two games in his career. That was back in 2020. Uh, so, so good luck to Robert. It's just a shame that you never got to see really what he could do. Um, Joe, I remember coming out and when we talked about him post the draft and you did your analysis on him, it was like the word that came to mind was motor. Like he was always moving around. He was always, um, active on the defensive front. Um, unfortunately, when, when you get dinged by injuries that it just, the motor can sometimes be the first to go. Like you just don't have the same, the same gear to keep going, keep going anymore. And, and that was one of his weak, it was one of his strengths rather. So, so best of luck to Robert Windsor, whatever might be in his future, but he won't be with, with the Colts anymore. Yeah. I felt really bad. You know, he posted this message on Twitter talking about how for so long, Football has been his identity, mm-hmm. and now he's got to do some soul-searching and really figure out who he is and what he's going to do going forward. So really just wish him all the best in that and for future success outside of the playing field. The Colts have named their first two Tony Dungy Diversity Coaching Fellows to new fellowships that's helping to build diversity and inclusion in NFL coaching. On defense, it's Brent Jackson, most recently a graduate assistant working with defensive backs at Oregon. And on offense, it's uh, Jamel Matunga, most recently an offensive quality control and running backs coach at Rutgers. Finally, for the news, Houston will sign wide receiver Brandon Cooks to a two-year extension. You guys mentioned him last week on the podcast. Uh, His name was in some trade rumors here and there, but uh, he's not going anywhere. Going back to Houston and quite the big contract for him to to go back there, chap. But I'm not exactly sure who's going to throw him the ball. But he's making a whole lot of money to at least uh, run routes out there, depending on who does get him the ball. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it at some point, maybe next week, with looking at draft positions and receivers and how it's it's crazy. And he's won me over at least his stance with Chris Ballard. How we tend to in the media tend to overvalue receivers, and Chris Ballard doesn't. He doesn't overvalue receivers. Now they took what two in the in, in the second round a couple the last couple of years with Pittman and and Paris Campbell, but they they have yet to invest in a free agent receiver, 
And with the way these receiver contracts are going through the roof, they're right behind quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then we're going to see probably edge pass rushers the same way. But I, I just have to wonder how, if Chris Ballard ever changes his approach on on receivers, and I would think with the way the contracts are going, I'd say no. But what happens if Michael Pittman is 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 what you hope he is when it comes time to re-up him? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the best case is you draft right and then you resign your guys. But as we've seen with these extensions, when you resign guys, you're going to pay them. You're going to pay Quentin Nelson a boatload, and you already paid Braden Smith, and you already paid uh, Darius Leonard. So that's a good case scenario. But with the way these receiver contracts are going. It reminds me sort of how about 10 years ago, running back contracts were stupid high. Yep. And now, now not so much. Nope. So, but I think receivers and quarterbacks, they're going to get their money. And, you know, it's like, it's like 20 million. It's like, well, you're going to say, oh, we'll start with 20 million. We'll start there. We'll yeah. start there. Yeah. So, uh, but good for them. Hey, I'm always, I'm, I'm always for get what you can. Mm-hmm. A couple years ago, when Andrew Luck signed that whatever was like a seven-year, hundred forty million dollar deal, that was twenty million for the quarterback. And that was right. the most expensive deal in, for quarterback in NFL history. And now they don't even look at that. No, no, you started at thirty. Crazy, right? Yeah. Oh, at least so. Yeah. Because I saw Derek Carr signed an extension or a re- I can't. What and, and it's like extension. Four, yeah, forty million a year joins yeah. the forty million a year club. Seven quarterbacks getting paid over $40 million a year. And that's where it's going to be. Well, while we're talking about uh, Derek Carr, uh, we can uh, transition to the Colts visiting with the draft's top quarterbacks as they visited with Liberty's Malik Willis and North Carolina's Sam Howell this week, according to the NFL Network. Willis is likely going to be the first quarterback drafted, so I doubt that he's on the board in the second round, but uh, Howell could be on the board in the second round, and a couple other quarterbacks will be as well. And uh, Derek Carr, circling all the way back to that, was a second-round pick at quarterback and is actually now, I was listening to uh, just ESPN Radio, Mike Greenberg on there, and his shows this morning said that, that Derek Carr is now the longest-tenured quarterback in the AFC since he got drafted in 2014, and he's been starting ever since. Uh, so it's been eight years now, I guess, or so, or is it seven years, whatever it is. Uh, it will be eight years that Derek Carr is the starting quarterback. And he just won his first playoff game. Yes, he did. So... Anyway, uh, other quarterbacks, Joe, you, you went down this, this and, and did some research on this list. So I'll let you uh, share with our uh, devoted followers uh, the, uh, the tremendous list of second-round quarterbacks taken over the past 20 years from 2002 to 2021. Yeah, well, you know, the Colts could take a quarterback. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Two. It may, might make a lot of people happy, too. But the question is, should they take a quarterback in round two? And history says no. I'm going to run down the list here. 2021, Kyle Trask was taken by Tampa Bay. It's too early, too early to say. Too early to say. Either way. Uh, 2020, Jalen Hurts was taken by Philadelphia. It's still too early, but he's... We'll find out this year. This year well. the big yeah. one. Yeah. Big one. But he did lead his team to the playoffs last year, so mm-hmm. good on Jalen Hurts. Then going back here, Drew Locke in 2019, Deshaun Kaiser to Cleveland in 2017, Christian Hackenberg with the Jets. Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo were both taken in 2014, so that was a there good go. second-round quarterback draft. Yeah, 2013, Geno Smith to the Jets. 2011, another decent year. Andy Dalton and Colin Kaepernick both went in round two. 2010, Jimmy Clausen. 2009, Pat White, Brian Brom in 08, Chad Henney, Kevin Kolb, John Back, Drew Stanton, Helen Clemens, and then Tavares Jackson back in 2006. Um, not a great list there. It was actually interesting that 
of all these quarterbacks here, only about four you would say were worth the draft pick with uh, Carr, Garoppolo, Dalton, and Kaepernick. Going back and looking at the quarterbacks taken in the first round in those drafts kind of shows you how the NFL still has no idea what they're doing when evaluating quarterback. Uh, 2014, quarterbacks taken in the first round ahead of Carr, ahead of um, Garoppolo. Blake Bortles, number three overall to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Johnny Manziel at number 22 overall. And then Teddy Bridgewater, 32. I wouldn't call Bridgewater's career a failure. He's dealt with some injuries. He's been a solid quarterback. But none of them as good as Carr. Or Garoppolo. Or Garoppolo. Looking at 2011 when Dalton and Kaepernick were drafted in round two. Cam Newton first overall. He's been quite the success we'll in the that, league. We'll keep that, yes, for sure. Jake Locker, eight to the Titans. I remember Jake Locker. Blaine Gabbert, 10 to the Jaguars. And then Christian Ponder, 12 to the Vikings. So <laughs> I still remember that Christian Ponder because I, I was in Florida State. I, I mean, I was in Tallahassee at the time covering Florida State. And I, I, I like Christian. He's a great guy. Like, love Christian Ponder. You're a great was, guy, too. I don't want your quarterback Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, Jimbo Fisher, man, he, he could coach some quarterbacks. He could. Um, you could coach him really well in college. And uh, anyway. There's nothing wrong with being a great college quarterback. No, there's not. And that's all you are. Mm-hmm. That's fine. And Christian now has a great career. I think he's doing ACC Network stuff. Of course, his, uh, his wife is Sam Ponder, who does work with ESPN. Uh, very happy couple. Great family. Um, I actually watched the national championship with them in the fourth quarter on the field when Florida State came back to beat Auburn. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, all that to say, uh, yeah. Uh, that's you're right, Joe. The, the the evaluation of quarterbacks is still a work in progress, as they say. So I guess the question posed here is, should the Colts draft a quarterback? I mean, obviously, if they're sitting there at pick 42 and for some reason Malik Willis is on the board, you'd say go for it as he's expected to go in the first round, probable first quarterback taken. Yeah. But then again, if he's still around, why is he still around? That why don't too. all the other teams want him? That's that's kind of the point I'm making with is if they make it to round two, there's probably something in their evaluation that says they're not going to be a successful NFL quarterback. You better be darn sure, I think, is what it comes down to in the second round, chap. Like, if I'm a GM, like, you know, you have to know the shortcomings of a quarterback that falls to the second round. And, in, in, in a thin draft for quarterbacks. Right. And you have to be sure that you can overcome them because if you don't take a quarterback, like you can get starters and great players in the second round, like the Other Colts positions. have in the past. Exactly. Correct. So like you, you could be getting you could be overlooking a Jonathan Taylor or a Michael Pittman or a Braden Smith or a Darius Leonard, like guys who are Pro Bowl type players uh, that can fit well in your system. They might not be the first round talent coming out of college, but they are guys that can be, develop in your system specifically to great players. So there is a huge risk, I think, in taking a quarterback in the second round. As we've seen, Joe, from here, like there, you said, there's four out of these 19 quarterbacks that you can say for sure, like they're they're they kind of lived up to to their status. And even then, you can probably debate the Colin Kaepernick thing since he was out of the league in five or six years. You would certainly would want him for longer than that if you invest that type of capital in him. But 
you can come back and say he got them to the Super Bowl and was a hair's breadth away from winning a Super Bowl. Same with Jimmy Garoppolo there as well. But I like Garoppolo. We've even certainly. talked about Garoppolo. Do we want Garoppolo right. this offseason? Yeah, kind of like hemming and hawing about it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so he's probably the second best one on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. After Carr, for sure. So. So, yeah, like you just got to be darn sure. And all, all these guys obviously proved over and over again that sure, a sure thing, uh, a quarterback in the second round is not. I, I keep looking at Pat White's name on here, and it just gives me nightmares from my time at Syracuse, seeing him just destroy the defense when he played for West Virginia. That team was so stinking good. He was... 10 years too early. Yeah. Because if he was coming out these days, he'd probably be a top 10 pick. He might with be. The quarterbacks running the way they do now. He might be. I just, the, the question was do you, do you take a quarterback in round two? And to me, it's no. It, 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 <laughs> Chap just says yeah. it flat it, out. It's just no because everything that you've done, they've done to this point says no. You, you, you got. Now, if they don't get Ryan, if they didn't get Ryan, maybe. But you, you get Matt Ryan and. And then you guarantee his, his the last two years of his contract. So he is your quarterback for the next two years. By the way, compared to Carr's contract, fifty-four now, million. Good. That's twenty-seven a year. However you want to. But the thing is, and also with the way they've approached the offseason, they've not addressed receiver. In 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 fact, they they've lost two guys. They haven't addressed the offensive line, other than bringing back Pryor. They they they, they help their, their their pass rush at at the expense of, of a corner. So everything they've done says they cannot take a quarterback in round two or three because he's not going to play for two years, barring injury. He's not going to play for two years. This team isn't in a position to bring in a red shirt for two years. It, it just, and to think that that guy that they're evaluating says, you know, this is Tom Brady. Not Tom Brady, but 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 somebody who yeah. can, who's going to be in three years, darn good. I think everything they've done to me points to Ryan. It gives them that one year, you know, cushion to really look for that long term guy next year in the draft. You're going to have a, your your first round pick wherever it'll be. It, it's going to be a better, you know, draft for quarterbacks. I just think it would be crazy. Now, I, I wouldn't say dereliction or duty crazy. But with all of your needs at receiver and corner and all these places, to take a quarterback who in the second or third round who's not going to play is crazy. And to take one from the fourth round on, you've done that a couple of times with, with uh, Easton and, 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 and Sam I am. So I, I just don't see it. Well, if the Colts really fell in love with the quarterback in this draft and were convinced that he's going to be successful – don't you trade up for him? I mean, you go get him. You don't just sit at 42. Yeah. Sitting at 42 and drafting a quarterback Dangerous. there says, we could take him or leave him. Yeah. If you really love somebody, you go up and get that guy. That's a good point. And the Colts. They, you mentioned that they, they've had, they're going to have visits or have had visits with, with the two guys. Is that more just doing due diligence in case that guy falls to I think it 28, is. 29 or whatever? Like, can we hop into the end of the first round? <sighs> yeah. And I, I tell you, we were talking at the watching the Colts the, the pro day workout on Monday and a couple of us and one of the guys mentioned that he's not so sure Ballard isn't is it more eager to get out of the first round if you're if you're at the bottom of the first round than taking a guy because then you're getting, you're not messing with that fifth year option right so you're not so so I, I can see that but if there's a guy that you really like and he's there trade up you get him but 
as we get closer to the draft, these quarterbacks are going to get pushed up out of desperation. They always do. They always do. And I'd like to have one of the, the draft experts, analysts, tell me where these quarterbacks, these top two or three quarterbacks, would rank in last year's draft. Mm-hmm. Behind fields, probably? Probably. Uh, so All that I've heard say, whoever you want to rank as the top guy in this year's draft mm-hmm. would start at six, six, you know, behind the top five from last year's draft, whatever mm-hmm. order you had them. Some had Fields last, some had Mac Jones, but um, all, you know, Mel Kiper, all the Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, they all kind of say this is a weak quarterback class, and the top five from last year are all better than any from this year. The Colts did host a local pro day on Monday of this week, as Mike just alluded to a minute ago. Uh, most notable prospect attending was wide receiver David Bell out of Purdue, the consensus All-American who went to war in Central High School back in the day here in Central Indiana. Projected to go in rounds three to five by most draft prognosticators. Uh, also saw guys like Ty Freifogel, the Indiana wide receiver, safety Kirby Joseph out of Illinois. Um so Bell, talking about the possibility of playing for his hometown squad, quote, it would definitely mean a lot being 20 minutes from my family, friends, and family being able to, from the facility, rather, friends and family being able to come and watch me. So, Joe, we know that David Bell has a little bit of concern when it comes to his speed. He did not test that well in that area in the at the Combine when he was there. Uh, ran just a 4.65 40-yard dash there at his at pro day uh, in at Purdue ran a four seven one forty yard dash so that so that's what he is he's a he's a six and a half to four it's a seven uh, forty guy you know so um, so so should they look past that his speed concerns and give him some serious attention when it comes to the draft uh, this week uh, no, two weeks from now rather which for you know perspective uh, at the Purdue pro day George Karloftis the 260, 270 pounds. First round prospect. First round defensive end prospect ran in the four sevens. Yeah. So their def- Purdue defensive end is about the same speed as their wide receiver. Um, the speed's an obvious concern. I mean, if he ran even in the four fives, he might be a borderline first round pick mm-hmm. because you look at his pr- production 1,200 yards, 93 catches last year. Um, he had 600 yards in six games in 2020. And then as a true freshman, 86 catches, 1,000 yards, 7 touchdowns, 6'1", 212 pounds. And you you just look at him. I mean, scouting report from Lance Zierlin, NFL.com, says, quote, Bell is like a crafty pitcher with a limited fastball, but a variety of pitches to get the hitters out. He wins with process over speed and has the ability to keep man coverage off balance with rhythmic route running and detailed footwork. Bleacher Report's Joshua Palmer scouting report says, Bell projects as a number two type receiver who can align inside as a power slot and outside as a Z receiver. His strength, body control, and ball skills will get him playing time early in his career. So you look at it, he's got good hands, he runs good routes, he's strong, he has a prediction, really speeds his only knock against him. There are some NFL receivers who have had success despite poor 40 times. I mean, you look at Cooper Cup, ran a 4.61. Yep. Um, you look at... He had he had an okay year last year, didn't he? Yeah, it, it, was, it was all right. It was all right. Triple crown winner. Yeah, and um, Super Bowl. I really think if all works out perfectly for Bell, I mean, he could be like an Anquan Bowl and kind of that uh, just, just really sturdily built, about 6'1", possession-wide receiver who just does everything white, 
right and wins despite his speed. But because that speed kind of lowers the ceiling a little bit, he could also be, you know, your fourth receiver, a Zach Pascal mm-hmm. type player. And I'm not knocking Zach Pascal, but that's, no. that's kind of the range you're yeah. getting from a guy who's that slow out there. So I would say third round is I'd be surprised if he was picked for the third round since there's so many good wide receivers who do have speed in this right. draft. But if he's there in third, maybe fourth round, I think might be the sweet spot for the Colts. Go ahead and grab him because it's guys like this in the mid rounds that you want to bet on who kind of outplay what uh, the draft analysts think he might do because of four testing numbers and whatnot. Chap, we've, we've talked about what the Colts are kind of looking for at receiver, and we know that they need something to take the top off of defense. David Bell is really not that type of guy. So if, if, you want, if you want that, you need to look elsewhere. That doesn't say that the Colts won't look at David Bell as a potential receiver. They could take multiple receivers. Exactly. He, he would need to be your second guy. Yes. Yeah. Take, take, a, take a receiver, the, 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 take the top off receiver in round two. And then maybe look at corner. I don't know. Yeah. With the next pick. And then come back to David Bell, who probably will be there. If Bell's in the fourth round, I would love if the Colts took him there. That's one where you say, yeah, he's, we're, we're going to go, we're going to bet on his tape and his production because guys. His character. Right. All of that. And, and he produced in a, in a big time conference. So, and he did it with Rondell Moore and without him. So, I, I again, it, we, when we talked to him on Monday, he, he kept saying, yeah, I'm, I've been working on my speed. And how much can you work on your speed? I mean, it's, it's technique. It's and like it, you weren't working on your speed before. Right. Like throughout your well, four yeah, years at Purdue, you're never working on your speed Didn't you work then? on it before the combine and you ran a four six five? Yeah. So I, I think this is a guy that we always come back to. This is who he is. And don't don't take him thinking you're going to make him a tick faster. This is who he is. And and get that the deep guy early and come back to him, and then you got a pretty good group. You got a pretty good group. I still think they need a veteran. I'd, I'd hate to go into the season with Michael Pittman and two draft picks, and then everybody else. But uh, I, I won't be a bit surprised if we see two receivers among their first four picks. Here, here's my my pitch for David Bell and for for taking him and for taking him early in the draft. I second I, second round. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But I would love to see him in the third round and maybe even the first wide receiver that the Colts take. I'm not saying this is what the Colts will do because we've heard from Chris Ballard and and they want to, a receiver that can take a top take the top off the defense. That's what they're looking for specifically. Like and and he's not that guy. But you have Matt Ryan as your quarterback for the next two years. This isn't Carson Wentz, a guy that likes to go deep more often. This isn't Patrick Mahomes. Matt Ryan is more along the lines of a uh, Jacoby Brissett or a Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. That is underneath much timing. more underneath timing. Exactly. So you can have two years with David Bell, and you can push your concern about having a receiver, uh, like a deep receiver, down the line. I'm, I'm not saying this in light of the fact that Paris Campbell can be a deep receiver, because he can, because you cannot rely on Paris Campbell to give you anything. But if you have Paris Campbell and Ashton Doolin as well, those are receivers who can go deep. They have shown in the past that they can go deep. But again, I don't want to rely on them. That's not what I'm saying here. I want to rely on what Matt Ryan does. And that is more the underneath routes. That's more the timing route. That's more if you want to push it down the field, quote unquote, that's 15 to 25 yards. That's not 40 yards to 60 yards, which other quarterbacks do. So if you like David Bell and you like what he can do, 
I think there's great value because Matt Ryan is your quarterback, Joe. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree with me? And again, I'm not saying this is what the Colts would do because we know what we we hear what they say they want. But at least that makes sense to me that a guy like David Bell could be more valuable with Matt Ryan as your quarterback. I do agree that Bell's going to be more valuable to some teams than others based on who the quarterback is. You know, if it is more of a timing and rhythm offense, I think Bell's going to fit more than. You know, if if this is Patrick Mahomes, you just want someone who can beat somebody 60 yards down the field, and Mahomes is going to find a way to get the ball down there. Um, I do think Ryan, I expect Ryan to kind of launch it deeper, you know, those 40-yard passes down the field, maybe a little more than Rivers did. Um, but, but you're right. He's not going to be chucking deep passes constantly. And the Colts could take Bell, you know, let's say round three, they could still take a speed receiver in round four or five if they just want someone to run deep and take the top off. Um, they are visiting with Tennessee wide receiver Veluce Jones Jr., who ran in the four threes at the Combine. Um, so he's kind of expected to be a later round pick, maybe fifth round, something like that. So, you know, we kind of talked about, oh, get your speed guy early, then maybe get Bell in the fourth. Maybe the Colts flip-flop it get belled a guy who they feel like they can really count on earlier maybe th- i wouldn't like him in the second just because there's so many good mm-hmm. receivers in the second but maybe the third or fourth and then they could take a speedier receiver later to really threaten that defense um give them that deep threat that you know it's not just about matt ryan getting the ball down there but maybe taking some attention away from Jonathan Taylor clearing out the box a little bit because they could burn you deep. I just love David Bell, man. I've watched him for three years at Purdue, and he's been so stinking good. I mean, even in the the COVID shortened year two years ago, like you look at his stats from two years ago, they don't pop, and then you remember what it was that year. In six games, he had 625 yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, my goodness. And then the other two years, he had over 1,000 yards and did, more did than six touchdowns. Did he average like 10 catches on 100 yards a game? It's something like that, career. yeah. And he caught like I, I love that he has forty one contested catches since twenty nineteen in his three year career, which, which is a more, Michael Pittman strength. Too. It is exactly so like which is tops he, among draft receivers, right? So it like it, you can still throw it to him deep, and he has a better chance than other it. receivers of going up and get it. Yeah, even if he has a contested catch that he's not behind the defense, he could still beat yeah. someone for the ball. So that that's my pitch for David Bell, my guy. I love David Bell. And you know if he was five ten one ninety, the four six and four seven would. Be be a lot yeah he might not get drafted but right. he's six foot one 212 pounds you know he's got some size and strength to him to maybe overcome some of that there are some expected first round picks at wide receiver so let's dive into our draft primer for the receivers we've done several different positions joe is rubbing his hands together because he loves it this is the one you've been looking forward to though because uh, you, there's a there's a good hunch that because of what the colts did do or did not do specifically in free agency that somebody here could be coming to Indianapolis in the draft in two weeks, Joe. Yeah, that and receivers are just more fun than a lot of positions <laughs> to look into. You know, they're running fast. They're getting the ball. You know, it's yeah. more exciting to talk about than, like, offensive linemen. Uh, you know, you, no one's talking about, oh, this guy ran a nice 505, 40-yard yeah. dash. You know, that, 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 that's not Or he's got short arms there. and all yeah. that stuff. Short arms. Talking about arm we length will hand talk size. about arm length with these wide receivers because, okay. you know, length makes a difference when you're reaching up over that defensive back. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple inches could be the difference between incomplete and a, you know, touchdown in the end zone. But there's really a set of guys who are expected to be first-round picks. If they're not, it's going to be surprising to everyone who's been – paying attention to those drafts. Uh, I'll just run through the list. 
Drake London um, out of USC, the two Ohio State wide receivers, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, and then Traylon Burks from Arkansas are all kind of the consensus first-rounders. If anyone's going to fall out of the first round, probably be Burks, but that would even be surprising. I mean, you think of teams that need wide receivers at the end of the first round. Kansas City has two picks in the 20s. Green Bay has two picks in the 20s, and they're both contenders who shipped off their top wide receivers. So I'd be surprised if we don't see a run on receivers uh, throughout the first round, but really towards the end there based on the team's picking. When you're looking at borderline first-round picks to high second-round picks, guys who could make their way to pick 42 where the Colts are, or maybe you know the Colts trade up a little bit like they did with Jonathan Taylor and say, hey, we're trading up to pick 39 because we want to go get our guy. Jahan Dotson, to me, is really the top dog. Uh, 5'11", 178, so he's not super big, kind of more of a T.Y. Hilton body type there. Uh, Nearly 31-inch arms. Uh, nine and a half inch hands there. He ran a four four three at the combine, so he can really run thirty six inch vertical, so he can get up and go get it as well. First team All Big Ten last year with ninety one catches, eleven hundred yards, and twelve touchdowns. Also had solid production in twenty twenty with fifty two catches, eight hundred eighty four yards, and eight touchdowns. Really reliable hands on this guy. He's only dropped two of his ninety three catchable targets last season. Lance Ireland from NFL.com says, Finesse wide out with good speed and great athleticism who's fully operational on all three levels of the field. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah says, Dotson is slightly undersized wide, wide out with outstanding quickness, deep speed, and hands. So the pros to his game really hands, route running, speed, athleticism. For a small guy, he makes a lot of catches on 50-50 jump balls. Um, really, his cons are just size and play strength. Pro comparisons I've seen for him are Emmanuel Sanders and Tyler Lockett. So this is a guy who, if he doesn't go in the first, Colts should be ecstatic to get a player like him in the second because not only is he good, but his skills really complement the bigger, stronger Michael Pittman Jr. Those are two really good pro comparisons, too, with Sanders and Lockett. I mean, guys who are really productive with good quarterbacks throwing them the ball. Sanders when Peyton Manning was there in Denver. Uh, Tyler Lockett, of course, with Russell Wilson down there in Seattle. Um, Dotson has that kind of capability. You think at the next level with the right person throwing him the ball that he can probably, he can do the same thing. He could, he could be that type of a player who is a deep threat, um, and, uh, and can use his, his route running athleticism, um, to really, really make an impact on, on that level. So Dotson's number one out of Penn state, a lot of Penn, uh, Purdue and IU fans are probably seeing a little bit of him over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that not a whole lot of people in central Indiana might've seen is a sky Moore, Western Michigan, uh, grad who's going to the NFL, another smaller receiver, but again, Joe, another faster receiver as well. Yeah. I love sky Moore. five, nine and a half, one ninety five. So he's not very tall, but at one ninety five, he's got a little bit more, uh, girth than uh, Jahan Dotson did. He could run through more tackles, won't get uh, as bothered by press co- uh, coverage at the line of scrimmage. 31-inch arms, huge 10 and a fourth-inch hands. Ran a 4-4-1 at the combine, uh, nearly 35-inch vertical. Um, twice he's been named first-team all-conference. That was 2019 and 2021. Uh, dinged up a little bit in 2020. Stats last year were fantastic. 95 catches, uh, nearly 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. Pro Football Focus said he has an FBS high, 26 broken tackles last year. So he's a guy, you get the ball in his hands, and he can really do something with it. 
Zerlin's scouting report says, quote, his ball skills and toughness create opportunities as a reliable target and capable route runner from release to whistle. Daniel Jeremiah said, Moore is an undersized wideout with excellent quickness, play strength, and route polish. Overall, the lack of ideal size is the only knack on Moore. He should emerge as a dangerous playmaker very early in his career. I've seen him compared to Steve Smith, Golden Tate, kind of guys who they're not very big, you get, but you get the ball in his hands, and he kind of turns into a running back. Um, so really the only cons when looking at him are size and then the level of competition over at Western Michigan. But this is a guy who I think is right there with Jahan Dodson as a really talented wide receiver. Mike, if you're looking at a guy who is who is that guy who can make a catch and run, that's something the Colts have valued in the past with Paris Campbell. And given the fact that you can't really go into the season counting on Paris Campbell for too much because of his injury history, you say, hey, maybe they go for that vein of guy again and hope that he's just not as injury plagued as Paris Campbell has been in, in his pro career. Yeah, because that's one thing that and Joe mentioned that they need the guy that gives them at least the threat of the of the deep ball because they've got to get. They, they want to open up the run game more to where people just don't load the box, and on top of that, they're gonna they're gonna go back to using Naheem Hines more on those underneath and maybe those bubble screens. So the more time, the, the the better you're able to scheme teams out of loading the box. And I I still don't see Michael Pittman as that every every down deep guy. I I just don't a speed guy. They they need a guy that that when he's in the game. You've got to respect it, and if you hit a couple of them, then they really respect it. So that that's why David Bell makes a lot of sense. But the primary thing coming out of this draft for this offseason, who who is your deep guy? You got to have at least a threat. Maybe they 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 they, they don't prioritize that in the draft, and they've got some veteran guy in their in mind. I don't know who, who's still out there, but I I just think using that second round pick on on a guy who can just take the top. And be a playmaker. Remember, they when we talked to Chris Ballard, they said, "Well, we got three playmakers, and, and they need more. They yeah. need more, and that, that's what this that second round pick could be. One of these guys is really enticing, as is the next guy Joe's got on here. Yeah, you're talking about a deep threat, a guy who's going to make big plays. There's maybe no one more equipped to do this than Christian Watson from North Dakota State. He really was the freak, the winner of the combine. Um, six foot four, two hundred eight pounds. 32 and a half inch arms, over 10 inch hands. At six foot four, he ran a 438 40 yard dash, a 38 and a half inch vertical, and a 136 inch broad jump. Those numbers, you're just not going to find any better than that size speed combination. Accolades, uh, each of the past two years, he's been first team all conference. Last year was really his best statistical season 43 catches for 800 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, He has averaged over 20 yards per catch throughout his entire college career, and he does more than just play wide receiver. He's got nearly 400 rushing yards and two touchdowns during his time at North Dakota State, and he returns kicks as well. Two kick return touchdowns in 2020, averages over 33 yards per return. So this is a guy who can not only offer you big plays, as a wide receiver, but he can take handoffs. He can give you a little boost in the return game as well. Um, so I love Christian Watkins. Pro Football Focus says Watson. Uh, Watson, I'm sorry. All good. Christian Watson. Christian Watkins was a defensive tackle he from was Clemson a, a few years, years ago. Christian Watford have a nice 
the watch jump shot, the, the jump watch shot, shot. Yeah, exactly. yeah so absolutely, yeah. Get that straight. We'll, so we'll mess those names up all the time oh, in the future. Yes. <laughs> That's right. But Christian Watson, Pro Football Focus says he's a super flexible six foot four, two hundred eight pound wide receiver who adjusts to balls easily outside his frame. The drop issues and ball tracking are a tad concerning, however, as Watson had sixteen drops on one hundred twenty catchable balls, so he does have a bit of a drop issue. Zerland said he is much more gifted than his opposition at North Dakota State University and needs to prove he can elevate his game to bigger, faster players at the next level. I mean, a guy with this kind of athleticism at a smaller school is just going to win on pure athleticism many times. Right. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said in his scouting report, overall thought Watson was a solid vertical slash stretch receiver based on his game tape, but the senior bowl performance showed a more well-rounded talent. He could emerge as one of the best pass catchers in this class. Um, so as pros, we've talked about him. Size, speed, big play, ability, ability to contribute not just as a receiver, but in the run game and on special teams. Cons, he really needs to develop more as a route runner um, and rise to the level of competition in the NFL. Pro comparison, I think he's really similar to Martavis Bryant a few years back for Pittsburgh, another um, impressive uh, size speed freak who was a little thinner, kind of like Watson is, not necessarily a 6'4", 220-pound guy, but just made big play after big play before suspensions and uh, issues with substance abuse really derailed Bryant's career. Um, but I would absolutely love Christian Watkins at pick 42 if Dotson and Moore are gone. Would you like Christian Watson as well? Ah, ah twice. You did it again. I'm going to do that every time. I know. Yeah. I'm it's gonna just going to be that for the time. rest. No. Like, I, and, and I love, I love Watson as well. Um, again, I'll, I'll go back to my point about Matt Ryan and David Bell here. Like if you get a guy who's primarily right now, a, a, a deep threat, that's great. You say you want a deep threat. That's fine. But for the next two years, he's not going to live up to his potential. And especially for a guy like Watson coming out of North Dakota State, where he's transitioning from a level of um, the FCS level to the NFL, he's transitioning into much more of a sophisticated route tree that he's running in the NFL for deeper balls. Like if, if you don't have a quarterback that can match his talents I don't know how valuable he's going to be, and maybe I'm dead wrong on this. Like it just that's just something that makes sense to me that if he if he doesn't have a quarterback that can get him the ball in the areas where he is good, then then what are you even doing? What's the point of having him on your roster? And 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 all that to say, Joe, I do agree with you that I like him. I think he's a good wide receiver. I think that he could develop into something good, but I something really good in the NFL. But I don't know if the Colts can develop him there. Because of their quarterback right now, and again, maybe I'm maybe I'm being just. Um, and I think Matt Ryan can get the ball more than thirty yards listen, on the field. Li- listen to me, okay? <laughs> like may, maybe I'm being uh, just the uh, uh, pessimistic guy when it comes to Matt Ryan, uh, but but this is that's that's how I see it. Um, like he's Matt, Matt Ryan hasn't been that guy the past couple years, and to be fair, he hasn't had a good offensive line in front of him, but he has had receivers. He had Not Julio Jones year, for a couple years. Yeah. He had Calvin Ridley for a couple years. Still couldn't pass for more than twenty-five touchdowns or twenty <laughs> touchdowns for the past like for during that time. So anyway, um, and so I, I'm just I'm just skeptical that if they get a guy like this, that he will be able to have the impact in these first two years, some important years of development in his career to develop into the kind of guy that the Colts want on their roster. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But. I, for whatever reason, when Joe's 
going through all this, it just hit me who, who this guy reminds me of. And Pierre Garçon, six foot two eleven, coming out of Mount Union, mm-hmm. and developed into a pretty good player. He I did. mean, a Pro Bowl player. I think a couple, not a Pro Bowl, but yeah, Pro Bowl, not all Pro, but pretty good player. Uh, whether whether he's got that kind of, and it took Pierre a few years to kind of learn the level of, of, of play. And I, I'm kind of with you a little bit. I, I I would rather have a guy who can give me something more as a rookie than, than to say, boy, in year two, year three, this guy's really going to get his feet under him. They are sort of, they've put themselves, the Colts have, in a in a win-now, win-sooner-not-later mentality. And I would rather have a guy who I think can give me more now than, boy, in year three, he's going to go off the charts. Yeah, and that's kind of the argument with uh, Watson here is he, he might have the highest ceiling of any wide receiver in the draft with that kind of size and speed. But at the same time, how long is it going to take him to really uh, refine his route running? Really, you know, is he going to get over the drops and adjust from North Dakota State to the NFL level? So if you need a stud, I think he'd be a great complement to the offense because he gives them something they don't currently have with someone who can run a 4-3, really threaten the outside um, but I do get what you guys are saying where he's not going to catch 70 balls no. in year one. I mean, he caught 43 in his best season at North Dakota State. Say, he might catch 35, yeah, maybe. But it might be for 700 yards and five touchdowns if he makes big plays with those 35. So um, there are pluses and minuses with Watson's game. Looking at another guy who has some size and speed here. George Pickens from Georgia, and boy, his stock is really rising as of late. He might make it into the first round. Um, six foot three, 195 pounds, got the long 32-inch arms, tiny hands, under nine-inch hands, but it was not a problem in college. Hands is one of, uh, catching the ball is one of the things he does best, does not have issues with drops. At the combine, he ran a four four seven, so not the crazy elite speed that Watson has but still six foot three ran a four four that is very impressive 33 inch vertical um accolades all SEC freshman in 2019 um with 49 catches 727 yards and eight touchdowns that's impressive for an 18 year old going into the SEC to be able to do that um, fell off a little bit in 2020, shortened season, eight games, 500 yards, six touchdowns on 35 catches. And then he tore his ACL last spring, spring of 2021, returned towards the end of this past college season to play four games uh, and made five catches, including a big 52-yarder in the national championship game that really got Georgia's offense going there when it was a defensive battle to start that game. But um, just the potential that Pickens has really has people excited. Lance Erland says the routes need more polish and physicality, but he has the athletic ability to become a viable target on all three levels as a likely day two draft pick with a little wider gap between ceiling and floor than NFL teams might like Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, uh actually, I think you copy and pasted the uh, Christian the Watson, Watson one. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. wanted to talk about Christian Watson I a little did. bit more here. I just here. love Christian Watson, but, <laughs> um, pros with Pickens is height, speed, hands, catch radius, uh, cons. He needs to keep working on his route running, maybe gain a little bit more weight for a guy who's six foot three, only being 195 pounds is a little skinny mm-hmm. at the NFL level. Really good blocker as well. 
um, which is something you got to do quite a bit at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been compared to T. Higgins, Mike Williams, kind of those taller wide receivers who can really make this spectacular jump ball catch. Um, so I, I like Pickens as well. Really, with Pittman and Pickens, 6'3", 6'4", guys, the Colts could have some twin towers. So here's how I like George Pickens. You know, I'm going, I'm, I'm still just comparing it every time to Matt Ryan and see how, how, how he can, can really help someone. I don't think there's a better quarterback that could, or, or a much better quarterback that can help someone with a young receiver with route running because he, he's going he's gonna to coach you up. He's going to tell you where you need to be. And if, you, if you're off kilter a little bit, he's going to let you know, I think. So uh, this would be the same thing for Philip Rivers a couple years ago, a guy who is who's more of those underneath routes, the timing routes to get those down. You have to do those well. And if you don't, you're not going to see the ball. So I, I think that's something that that could be like someone who has maybe a little bit to work on in just their route running ability. Chap could be a guy that the Colts decide to bring in because they have a guy like Matt Ryan there who can really, I think, share his experience in the NFL over 15 years or whatever it's been and really help someone like that develop into a pretty solid young receiver. Maybe similar to the way Manning worked with the receivers. He, he was very meticulous in how you do things. You know, they always ask Peyton, you know, how, how do you decide who to throw to? He says, well, I throw to the guys that got open in practice. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if they do that, they're going to get open in game. So, and, and when guy needs to be coached up, I think they're very good. Those kind of guys, the Mannings and, and, and in the Ryans and, and Rivers, yeah. where they, they can be constructively critical without being abusive, and they have the clout to do it. Oh no, no question. You know, when Philip Rivers told you something, he was telling you because you know I've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. So I, the, the whole thing is, is a guy coachable? Most of these guys are. Some aren't. Most of them really are. So uh, I, I think having that veteran presence means a ton. And we've talked all about <laughs> not to pile on your aspects of Carson Wentz to where maybe the leadership wasn't there. I don't know. I hope one of these days we get the skinny on that. But Matt Ryan brings whatever Jim Irsay said Carson Wentz didn't bring. I think Ryan does bring it in working with young receivers. And he, However this receiver group is this coming year, it's a young receivers group. It just is. Who's the, who's the oldest receiver? Kiki Kute? I think so, yeah. I mean, and he's caught like one or two balls for the Colts. Yeah. So th- th- it's going to have to be a young group. They're going to have they're going to get help from Reggie Wayne being a coach. But on field it's it's a quarterback who helps these guys grow. Joe, it's mostly those guys who are probably the second round picks. You think they'll be gone by the end of that. There's a couple tweeners between second and third round picks that could be available right there. Let's move on to that next group of uh, receivers that you have scouted here. Yeah, this next guy um, is probably a tear down from that group we just talked about. But I absolutely love Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, another small school guy. Six foot one, 194 pounds, got the long 32 and a fourth inch arms, 10 inch hands. At the combine, he ran a 4-4-9-40, so plenty fast enough for the NFL level. 36-inch vertical and a 7-0-8-3 cone. His three cone was the fifth best of all combine wide receivers. You know, you look at some of the guys who run a 4-3. Compared to that, the 4-4-9 doesn't look as impressive. But when you look at his workout as a whole, Tolbert had one of the best workouts at the combine. Um, looking at his vertical, his three cone everything but moving on accolades uh past two seasons he's been first team all conference and his production is terrific last year 82 catches for 1400 yards and eight touchdowns 
2020, 64 catches for 1,085 yards, another eight touchdowns. So back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons in college. Set the school record with 178 receptions and 3,140 receiving yards. So um, terrific guy in college. Pro Football Focus says 16 deep receptions, ranked fifth in college football in 2021. And that's really what he's known as. He's good at uh, getting open deep and hauling the ball in. Uh, Zerlin writes, silky smooth athlete who has morphed into a monster over the last two seasons. Tolbert is a high character prospect with skill elements that are dripping with NFL potential. Daniel Jeremiah writes, this could be one of the most intriguing wideouts in the entire draft. I could see his career following a similar path to the Bills' Gabriel Davis, finding a role as a vertical weapon while growing into a complete player. Uh, The pros in his game, deep ball ability, ball tracking, catch radius, route running, explosiveness, production, cons, a level of competition at South Alabama, and he does have a few concentration drops on tape. A lot of stuff where he's facing the quarterback, but he's really good at pulling in those over-the-shoulder throws down the field. Pro comparison, uh, Marvin Jones, which I think is spot on, a guy about 6'1", um, who can really make his living down the field and be a terrific complement. Um, I mean, I think the Colts, a, a prime Marvin Jones is someone this Colts team could use uh, very much right now. And I, I love Jalen Tolbert in maybe the second or third round. Well, Mar- Marvin Jones sure showed the Colts that he can still play late in his career in the week 17 of this NFL season. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you that someone with his, his capability and his his ability would be uh, very helpful. Marvin Jones is a guy like I drafted in fantasy a couple years in a row. Just uh, and you can get him really late because no one was really that focused on him. He's he's not a guy that like jumps to the top of draft boards there, but he would always have a couple games every year where he'd have like 10 catches, 140 yards and two touchdowns. Just like go he, off. he would have those couple games where he could he could really light you up. And he, he really underrated wide receiver over the course of his career cuz he was always the number 2 Remember <clears throat> right. during his good years well, in Megatron, Cincinnati, yeah, and, uh, uh, that AJ too. Green was there, and yeah. then he goes to Detroit, um, kind of the number two with I think Gallat, him and Galladay formed a solid. T- I don't tandem. know if he was there with with Megatron. Now that I'm thinking about it, you might be right. It yeah, could I think be Galladay. Might have been a little past, but anyway, um, if if Jalen Tolbert is the next Marvin Jones, I think the Colts would be wise to take him in round two or three. Uh, moving on here to guys who are more third to fourth round picks. I got a couple more, and then I'll wrap up. John Mechie from Alabama, um, 5'11", 187 pounds. Uh, doesn't really have the length, about 30-and-a-half-inch arms, 9-and-one-fourth-inch hands. Accolades, he was second-team All-SEC last season with 96 catches, 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns. Also had 55 catches for 900 yards and six touchdowns the year before. The biggest knock against Mechie and why he's not considered a higher draft prospect is he just tore his ACL in December. Um, the Colts have spent draft picks on injured players the past couple of drafts. Yep. But as a team who we've talked about needs wide receiver production right now, that might be something that turns them off. Pro Football Focus wrote, one of the most polished route runners in the draft class. Zerlin wrote, NFL slot projection with good polish but lack of noteworthy elements in his game. Mitchie has distant size but average play speed. Really not able to test that play speed at the combine or probe days. Kind of makes his um, projection in the NFL a little more complicated. Uh, Bleacher reports, Keith Sanchez writes, Mitchie can be a 
contributor on day one, pending injury. For most NFL offenses, as a Z receiver who can bump inside and out because of his well-rounded skill set and feel for space. But his lack of size and more than sol- more solid than good athleticism will limit his potential upside as a true force. So his pros, route running and hands are really what Mechie is good at. He'll get open and he'll haul the ball in. But he doesn't have any elite traits. He's not very big uh, on film, at, at least. He's not super fast. I kind of compared him to a Deontay Johnson, a guy who just kind of gets open and hauls the ball. And I know Deontay's had the drop issues in the NFL, which is not expected out of Mechie. But kind of a smaller wide receiver who just consistently beats coverage and gets open. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on down the list here, uh, this is a guy I really like, Khalil Shakir from Boise State. Six foot, 196, small arms, 29 inches, nine and a half uh, inch hands. So he doesn't have the length, but he ran a good 40, a 443, 40 yard dash at the combine, 34 and a half inch vertical, uh, 7283 cones, not great, but not a lot of right, wide receivers ran great three cone numbers this year at the combine. Not sure what's up with that. He's been first-team all-conference the past two seasons, Shakir has. Uh, Looking at his stats, 77 catches for 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns last year. The previous two seasons, he had 700 and 800 yards and six touchdowns apiece. So he's put up production and then really took a step up this past season. Um, He was used as a rusher and in the return game as well. So he's another player who offers some flexibility to how he can be used. Pro Football Focus wrote, "He's his body control and the hands are the stuff of legend. He Ooh. likely profiles best from the slot after putting up over 1,000 yards from there in 2021. Zerlin writes, a coach's dream combining competitive nature, exciting versatility, and elite character on and off the field. For a short-armed player with average explosiveness, Shakir puts an emphatic stamp on games. And Bleacher Report's Nate Tice scouting report writes, Shakir can step in right away for most NFL offenses as a number three weapon who can play inside and outside and also be productive on various concepts like receiver screens and design runs. So the pros with him, character, yard, uh, running with the ball in his hands, yards after catch. Uh, he's got solid hands and good route running. Really the cons are just level of competition and length. He's not very tall and kind of has short alligator arms, but that did not hold him back in college. Pro comparisons, I've seen him compared to Antoine Randall-L. Who, who, Hoosier. That's right, IU alum. And then Nate Burleson, who had a solid career in the NFL as well. Um, so Can he I, throw the ball like Randall-L? Ooh, I've not seen him throw mm, the ball. Okay, so. it's a knock against him. Shoddy comparison. Yep, yep. <laughs> knock against him. But I think Shakir is a player who would really excel in that slot role for the Colts, a position they could really use. And I'll go ahead and... Um, yeah, that's, that's another day. Yeah, you knock out this last one after I say chat that like without T.Y. Hilton, like who, who is really their slot guy right now? Is it Paris Campbell? But again, you can't rely on Paris Campbell to be a guy. Who's a slot receiver. Yeah, right. Hines. So, yeah, you're right, Joe. Like that's a position that that is that is certainly could that the Colts could need. Yeah. Could use. For some wide receivers, you know, them being labeled as a slot wide receiver is kind of a knock when you're going into the draft. Not for every team. It's not, not for every yeah. team like the Colts who could really use a slot <laughs> yep. wide receiver. So. Um, this next guy though is not a slot receiver. Six foot three, two hundred eleven pounds, long thirty-three inch arms, nine inch hands. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, a tall guy who can run as well, ran a four four one forty yard dash at the combine, a forty inch vertical, 
129 inch broad jump and a very solid uh, for his size 7133 cone. Second team all AAC last season uh, for the Bearcats. In 2021, he had 52 catches, 884 yards, and eight touchdowns as a top target for Desmond Ritter, one of the top quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, Pro Football Focus says he has 13 deep receptions last season, so he's really good at getting down the field, using his size and speed to make uh, deep catches. NFL.com's Lane Serialin writes, Oh, no, I copied and pasted the last one here, but I'll move on to Nate Tice from Bleacher Report. says Pierce will be an immediate contributor for any NFL offense thanks to his true ball-winning ability that will make him a target in the red zone. So this is a guy who I I remember Zierlin's uh, scouting report. It was kind of talking about how he's a guy who can win jump balls. He can have some speed down the field, but the question with him is separation. Um, One of his cons is short area quickness. He isn't a guy who has that quick twitch and can really um, zig when you zag and just create a ton of separation. So um, he's a guy who can win down the field in the red zone, win some jump balls, but maybe because of that route running and lack of short area quickness might not be one of those guys with those high ceilings to come turn into a true number one wide receiver. Pro comparisons I've seen for him, Donovan Peoples-Jones, deep threat for the Browns right now, former Michigan wide receiver. And Eric Decker, who had some really successful years with Peyton Manning and then went on to be a Jet and have another good year or two there. So the opinions of Alec Pierce are really wide. Some people say he's going to be your team's fourth wide receiver who kind of a vertical red zone threat but can't really separate. Uh, other scouts say he's a guy who can really develop into a really good number two wide receiver, kind of like a Michael Pittman Jr., a guy who has some size and speed and could get down the field. Um, Alec Pierce is someone the Colts could look at in the third round, maybe third to fourth round. What type of wide receiver? I think we can go back and forth on the Colts uh, could or should or will take Mike, but there's no doubt that they need some wide receiver help after not getting anybody in free agency. Again, I th- and we've beat this to death. I just think they've set themselves up to where the draft has to be where they go. Uh, they can always re-sign or sign guys after the draft. Ty's still there, I understand. But when you when you don't address a position of dire need prior, when when, when there's some pretty good players out there, veteran free agents, you just sort of kind of box yourself into the draft. So I won't be again in. in Joe just exhausted us with, with this list of players. And I will be very surprised if, if receivers don't hit this board two of the first four picks. I just would. I, they've done too many times with, with these fifth and sixth rounders, which you kind of like what they bring. They're almost not throwaway picks, but. but when, when Dark you, throws. Yeah, but, but when you need to have guys help you right away, then you lessen the risk and you get them early. You get, you know, second round pick again, they're. they're 50-50 on second-round picks so far because we're still waiting for Paris Campbell. But I, I think two of the top four picks because they need help right now. The Colts will be on the clock sometime in about two weeks, plus a day. Plus yep. a day. Plus a day as we tape this podcast. Uh, next week, we will continue our draft breakdown with quarterbacks and tight ends. Joe will dive headfirst into those two groups as we're talking about weapons, I mean, we're talking about wide receivers. They could probably use some help at tight end, too, when it comes to no more Jack Doyle. You got Mo Alley-Cox, who's kind of your number one now. 
And then Kylan Granson, what's he going to give you in year two? Uh, would not be surprised to see a tight end taken either. And they do have a visit with one of the top tight ends in the draft, so we'll get more into that next week. All right, sounds good. And Joe will give us plenty on that next week. Chap will be back here to uh, offer his take as well. You can read Mike's work online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Even before that, right now, in fact, log on. See what Certainly. he has to say. See what, we need readership. Yes, that's fantastic. Clicks give, are good. Give us a reason to exist. You can also subscribe to us on the Colts Blue Zone podcast and get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop. That's usually on Wednesday afternoons and evenings here throughout the offseason. We appreciate you listening. I'm Dave Griffiths, and we'll catch you next time on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.